You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Good afternoon, I should say. I was going to say welcome along to Axon, but instead it's all aboard the Axon Express. It is the Thursday Bulletin. I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin McCluskey. Hopefully we're going to have another guest with us uh, just shortly as well. I'm not sure if they're having some teething problems. He won't be the only one today. Kevin, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, Russell. Thanks very much. How about yourself? Yes, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm in the hot seat, mate, for the first time. Uh, so it's a bit of a traumatic experience, mate, trying to put all these notes together. I take it all Hi. back. Any any criticisms I've ever had of the show, they're all gone now, mate. I don't have any. The work that they put in to get uh, an hour's content is quite impressive. So to all of those who've presented before, kudos to them, mate. Kudos to them. Yes, I definitely don't envy you today, mate. So good no, 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 it's especially all good. Especially with you, I guess. It's all down healthy here. <laughs> well, we know we've only got you for the first half hour of the show, so we are hoping another guest will join by then. So other than that, it's just going to be me talking away at myself, driving the bus on a solo a solo ride to nowhere. So you never know. Anyway, uh-huh. we will get stuck into it. So obviously, it's been the international break, Kev, and it's a slower news week in the world of Celtic right now. Do you know what I mean? So you're trying to find... You know, what you're looking more ahead than, than what you are reflecting now, because it's been a while and we've kind of chewed the fat over the most recent one at Pataudry. So now it's time to look ahead. And obviously I've tried to tie that in with the international break now. Craig Gordon was talking, a former Celtic player, of course, who had a couple of belter saves against uh, the Faroe Islands uh, just in the most recent match. And he was saying, after the game, he sort of let slip. We got our objective... We got six points from six in the campaign. Uh, sorry, I don't mean campaign. I mean in the last two fixtures. And I find it quite insightful. I wonder if Scotland look at each international break as a mini campaign. 
and they set a sort of points target in that time for what they need to achieve to get to either the playoff spot. Obviously, the first place was long gone for them. So I thought, let's flip it and let's look at that from a Celtic perspective. So Celtic right now go into a run of five domestic fixtures in the league before the next international break in mid-November. So what I wanted to do was look at the fixtures ahead that we've got and sort of work out, you know, where should what sort of points tally should Celtic be looking at achieving those? Obviously, there's some tricky matches in there. And what is it we're going to need to achieve to stay in this title race? Because right now, obviously, as we know, there is a deficit already. It's been a tough start. Not all the players' fault, certainly not all the managers' fault. But now we've sort of got what looks to me like a stronger sort of first 11 now, sort of forming with players coming back from injury, etc. And just had more time with certain players as well. So it's really just to see... Where do you think we're at right now? I'll give you a rundown of the fixtures, Kev, right? That we've got before, you know, this mini campaign that I'm going to call it. A five-match five mini-league campaign before the next international break. We travel to Fir Park next up. We've got St Johnston at home after that. We've got Hibs away after that. Then it's Livingston at home. And then we round, round off with Dundee away from home. So it's three away matches, two at home. What should Celtic be looking to achieve from that? Now we've got the monkey off the back with that away win at Pitodri as well. Has your expectations sort of slightly slightly grown at all? It has, aye. I think I think getting that first win was massive for us, that first away win. Uh, um, kind of gives us confidence to springboard that we can go into these games, we can, we can actually win away from home now which we've never had been able to do previously this season. I think we've got to temper it though, because I think I think it was um I think it was Tony that maybe said one of the shows last week that necessarily win against Aberdeen, we were just a bit bad teams on the day. So I don't think we can afford to have another kind of performance at that away from home yeah. and expect we're just going to win. But I think it gives you a lot of confidence it sets the monkey off the back. And I think you can go into the away games now No, we can go to difficult grounds and get a result. So I'm a lot more positive looking at the away games now than I was before the Aberdeen game. No, I think that's absolutely fair. I'm on the same boat. I mean, I said that the result at Petodja I found our most satisfying victory of the season so far because we won in a sort of different way almost. We dug out a result. We got there in the end. We got over the line, if you like. And that was the first time I felt that we'd done that when we were under a bit of pressure. Yeah, I think it was... um, I think we'd maybe spoken about this in the WhatsApp chat, but it was very much like a dialers win at Kilmarnock when Tom Rogic scored the last minute on a a game that we we had to win but never looked like we were going to win, really. And then right at the day, we pulled it out and we went on a run after that. Give us the confidence. So kind of hoping for something similar after that game. No, I agree with you. I think it can be a springboard. Obviously, you'll have seen on the bottom screen, he has appeared better late than never. It's the main man himself, Regan Stevenson. As your podcast is called, Regan, you're only as good as your last podcast. So, how are you, mate? You all right? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. No worries at all. So, Regan, we were just talking there about if Celtic, you know, in a season of transition, you know, should they maybe be looking at, you know, Sort of looking at the season in sort of small chunks, bit by bit. So we've got a five-fixture five run right now until the next international break. If we just focus on that in isolation right now, there's 15 points up for grabs. Three of the games are away from home. Motherwell, Hibs and Dundee are away. St Johnston and Livingston at home. What are you hoping for Celtic to achieve from that? Obviously, I hope Celtic can win, uh, we can win every game. But I would say that as you said there, I think we need to take it in blocks and hopefully we can... Because as you say, we've got, we've got some difficult fixtures. I mean, St. Johnson, they won the Scottish Cup last season. We've also got Motherwell. That'll be a very tough game on Saturday as well. So as long as we fo- focus, I think we should do well, Russell. No, good, good stuff. I mean, in, in terms of the five fixtures, as I say, the three away, we've got the monkey off the back now. They were looking a wee bit more daunting before the Petardry fixture. 
Is there any that stick out to you that are going to be the potential trickiest time? I would say Motherwell away because Motherwell started very well, Russell. And I'm a bit concerned about St. Johnson at home as well because St. John- St. Johnson, obviously, they've not done too well in Celtic Park um, in the last couple of years. But what I would say on St. Johnson is that they're a very, very good team under Davidson. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tricky, uh, a tricky match against St. Johnson. No, absolutely. I think that is the thing, though. See if we can just look at this season as, as building blocks. We go, right, here's a five-game run. What's the maximum amount of points we can take? It's then nine matches from that international break to the winter shutdown that we play in the league as well. And I think they're going to be crucial if we look at it in small blocks like that and try and achieve the maximum points we can. I mean, undoubtedly, there's tricky fixtures in there. I mean, Hibs were really unfortunate to lose at Ibrox. As we know, the, 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 you know, the debatable, shall we say, Red card to Portia seemed to turn that game on its head. Um, they certainly looked like they'd be a side capable of causing us problems as well. But yeah. when the focus is on Celtic right now, I just feel with, like I was saying to Kevin there, with the players that are coming back now from injury and the longer we've now had to adapt to sort of Angie's methods, are you feeling a bit more confident? I would say yeah, I would say I'm definitely am, Russell, because I think Angie's took a bit of time to settle. But I would say, and then it's a couple of geek- the couple of fixtures, I think we'll be able to see Angie's style and his philosophy really take shape now. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the squad, I said this to you earlier, I think the, the squad is the biggest problem for me also because if someone like Kyogo or McGregor drops out, I don't see who fits in it and is able to do the same type of job. No, I totally understand where you're coming from there as well. I mean, it's... It's one of those things, squad depth. I mean, it's interesting, uh, Kev, because squad depth, we talk about it all the time. Ange needs his men. But then we also spend a lot of podcasts talking about pathways for youth. And right now we've kind of, you know, whilst we've brought, we've still brought in 12 players, but for the first time we've started European games with, you know, Ralston, a Celtic youth player, and Montgomery at fullback as well. Another youth product that normally we wouldn't see these guys. Stephen Welsh, obviously, sort of, came in last season, but again has played plenty of games this season as well from the youth. If we were to just keep pinning our hopes on, you know, bringing in players, bringing in players, beefing up the squad, would that be to the detriment of these youth players' sort of opportunities? I think it would be, without a doubt. Um, we've seen that with previous managers. They've never really tried to integrate young players You've had like the, the odd exception, like a keen period that you've just not been able to leave out the team. But otherwise, it, you're struggling to think of any player in the last five years who made that breakthrough for the youth team that's had the progression. And that's why we've seen so many top talent leave. Like the boys that have gone to Bayern Munich, the boys that have gone down, down south, just to be in a system where they feel that they're actually going to be valued and have that progression in the first team. So, Absolutely. I, Kind of while we all want to see new players coming in and it's great, it's also it's a breath of fresh air, I think, and he's given the younger boys a chance. And someone like Montgomery seems to come in and he's done pretty so far, been really impressive in the games he's had. He wouldn't have got that chance last season under Len. So I I'm yeah, I think I think the way that Poster Cog is doing it, he's given you the chance. That's the way forward for us. No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly as well. Obviously, during this wee mini-campaign that I keep referring to, Kev, we've got two European matches as well. Now, obviously, you're based out in Hungary. You know a thing or two about, is it Friday they're affectionately known as? Is that right? I, yeah, Friday. Friday. So, we've got to play them both home and away. They're top of their domestic league, but in the Europa League, they're two defeats from two as well. Their results aren't against Leverkusen and Betis were, they weren't exactly landslide defeats though either were they so they've obviously able to compete at this level and I think it would be wrong of us to try and sort of take it for granted we'll take six points from those two matches and then hope we'll get something in the other the, the, the remaining two fixtures on top of that to try and get that second place Yeah we definitely cannot go into those two games thinking we're going to get six points um, Friday's a good team the two games they've had so far, well, obviously we know from last season they're a good team because they beat us at Celtic Park. They came yep. and they found their weaknesses and they exploited them. The two games they had this season in the Europa League, 
Uh, Leverkusen away, they gave him a right good run for their money. Um, scored first, if I remember right. Uh, had a goal disallowed as well, putting a lot of pressure. Could have could have got a draw from that game, to be honest, but Leverkusen kind of just had to screw towards the end of the class and won the game. And it was pretty similar against Betis, right? Uh, we gave them a two-goal advantage and then, then they kicked in and stormed back and won the game. Friday never let them really have that opportunity. It was, again, more a case of just that extra bit of class that they had shining through. And, and the thing that we've not been able to do, Betis managed the game really well towards the end. They got themselves ahead and then when, when Ferenc Varos pushed for the equaliser, that at the third, fight of the death. But that game could very, very easily have been a draw, and I don't think anyone had any complaints if it was. So that kills the measure that they've given both those sides games. Could easily have walked away with a point from both. But when you look at how we've done against them both, we were beaten deservedly so. So that's the that's the warning. I think we're going to decide that we take a game against the side that, that is worthy of our respect and who can give us a proper match. No, I think that's fair. I mean, when you look at the the results, obviously they're competing. I mean, I, I know we obviously there was good there was good moments against both Leverkusen and Betis for Celtic as well. I felt. I mean, especially that opening twenty five minutes over in Spain. I thought we were well in Seville, of course. I thought we were excellent, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. it was one of those things that once Betis, I think, sus does, they then took charge. And I actually felt the last sort of twenty minutes of that game they took their foot off the gas a bit, whereas what you're saying is when Ferenc Varos played Betis, Betis had to go right till the end to get that third goal that, yes, makes the scoreline look more flattering in their favour, but it could all, it could have been all, been all so different. With regards to Celtic yeah. and Ferenc Varos, it doesn't strike me there's much between them. No, there's not. Um, kind of been thinking about this game quite a lot, and it's, it's one that it could go anyway. Really, like this, uh, I think we're two very evenly matched teams. But the way that we play, if it all clicks, and we've done it domestically, we know that we can score goals. And if we get the first goal against Ferenc Valls on Tuesday, and this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 323232 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 323232 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 323232 now text grade to 323232 we keep playing to our game, to our strengths. Like, we can score goals. We've got the players that can do it. If Ferenc Valls score first, and if they manage the game well, they've got boys that have got a pace, they've got good movement. In the midfield is fairly disciplined and organised. And you can see them being a side that can like kind of pick us off in the break and have the ability to hit three against us. Otherwise, yeah. it, could be, it could be a really close kind of one goal in the game. It's, it's really a fascinating game that I kind of feel could go any way. I just wanted to ask you, Kevin, that sure. in terms of the Ferris Files, is there any players that we should be focusing on? Yeah, for sure. They, 
the front three, if they were the team, which they normally do. So normally they line up as a, a 4-3-3, but in Spetish they went 5-2. But the normal front three is uh, Mirko Uzini, who, Uzini rather, who plays on the right. He's an Albanian international, lots of pace, really direct. Tokmak on the left, the boy that scored the well last season, we all know so well. And then they've got... Um, Get Ryan May, who I believe is a Moroccan international, signed him from Apoel Limassol in the summer. He's um, he's a very good striker. Plays mainly through the middle, but drifts out to the left from time to time. He's a uh, pacey. He's got good movement, decent in the air, very good on the ground, um, scoring goals for fun domestically this season and hit quite a few in Europe as well. So the front three with the pace and movement, the players are definitely watching. And then for the back in the midfield, uh, Laiduni. I think he's a French Algerian midfielder that plays kind of the kind of Stan Petrov box to box kind of role. He's a he's a very good player, very kind of physical and technical midfield player. So there's a there's, there's a good mix in the team. Definitely, those would be the four key players I think at the moment. I think it's an interesting point you made earlier, Kev, when you were talking about. If Celtic can get an early goal, if they don't, Ferenc Barros may well be able to pick us off in the counter-attack. Now, Regan, I'll come to you. Is it is it a concern of yours so far this season that when Celtic do concede a goal, particularly in matches in Europe, for example, they look like they'll concede a second almost instantly? And would that concern you going into these matches with Ferenc Barros? Yeah, I mean, I watched the game against Betis, which Celtic played very well. But I think as soon as Betis scored that first goal, you just had that feeling that Betis were going to score and score again. Um, and I don't think that's a position that we should be in, especially being two goals up I, 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 um, against Real Betis. No, I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, that's my my concern would be Celtics, you know, the sort of the style of football that they're playing is it strikes me like we're we're set out to come out like a steam train, right? come out like a steam train and blow the opposition away. And if that doesn't happen in the first 20, 25 minutes and questions get asked of us, there's still a bit of vulnerability there. Now, obviously, I think that was slightly addressed, I felt, at Pataudry. I felt it was a different sort of mindset that we had. It seemed to me more balanced um, with more of one eye on, you know, sort of showing things up a wee bit with the inclusion of the likes of near Beaton, for example. Um but I am hopeful over the two matches. I think that the international break's been key for Ange to have that more time working with certain players who didn't go on international duty. I think there is more confidence in the camp. There'll be more uh, belief in the methods that have been used right now. Uh, I'm quite hopeful that we can get a result. Moving on from that will be obviously the availability of players now after the international break. Now, what I wanted to talk about was Chris Julian. Chris Julian, there's an article by our fellow contributor, Tony Haggerty, in the Celtic Way, our sponsors. And he was talking about Chris Julian's potentially imminent return to first-team duties after the international break. I think Ange had said he was hoping to be up back in training after the international break. Now, I've got a couple of concerns about Julian's comeback now. Not because I don't rate him as a player. I think he's a, I think he's a brilliant player, Chris Julian, to be honest with you. I think he's, for me... He would probably be my first choice centre-back. However, he's been out for 10 months. A similar sort of time to what a certain Mr Larson was out for. Now, no one could have forecast that Henrik Larson would come back even better than what he was before he's around his 10-month layoff. To put that sort of expectancy on Julien to come back and just hit the ground running might be a bit unfair when you consider his, his period of time out. Also on top of that, He's got to now adapt to Angie's style and the style of play Celtic are going to be playing, which is completely different from last year. There can be no, no discussion on that one, really. And it's how quickly he adapts to that as well. We've obviously seen certain players maybe taking a bit longer than others, you know, to sort of embrace the new, the new tactics, the new formation, the new style. So what is your expectancy, Kev, on Chris Julian on his return? Have you got, you know, big expectations of him coming in partnering Cameron Carter-Vickers or would it be another that you would expect Julian to come back in and partner or 
such as the strength of competition we've now got with four vying for two spots, does that sort of allow us to ease Julian in at a better rate than what potentially we were thinking we were going to before the signing of Cameron Carter-Vickers? Yeah, I think and I hope it's more the latter. Um, yep. Given the, the injury that he's had and the time he's been out, I don't think you can just bring him back, put him straight in the team and expect him to, to be performing at a top level straight away. He's going to need... He's going to need to be kind of brought back and kind of softly, softly give him, give him minutes here and there. But um, I don't think we can expect him to come back in straight away and start. Probably, probably not until the new year. Give him a couple of months just to rebed himself into the team. Yeah. When he did, when he does come back in, I'd like to see him in with Carter Vickers. I think he's he's proven himself in the few games so far to be the you know. The, the dominant centre half out of the ones that we've got. So I think I mean Julia could be a, a decent partnership, but like I say it's got to be softly, softly just introducing them twenty minutes at a time and building it up. No worries, no, that makes total sense, Kev. Again, I'll cover the comments here from Stevie Boy who's watching on YouTube. And um, remember to hit subscribe. Uh, Stevie Boy saying even with Car- Cameron Carter Vickers or so. I think the big man's my first name on the team sheet. Well, it's an interesting discussion point because yeah. Carter Vickers, Regan, he started really well his Celtic career, hasn't he? He's been impressive. I mean, I've, I mean, I've really enjoyed watching him. I think in terms of uh, Julian, I would say it's a case of try, uh, trying to build up his fitness because from you know, that, lo- lo- that long-term injury will definitely have an effect on him. Um, in terms of Vickers, I think he's done really well. Russell, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Cameron Carter Vickers, it's a fair argument that Stevie Boy makes. I mean, certainly, obviously, with Julian being out for so long, you would certainly be saying Carter Vickers would be first choice right now. But you would like to think someone with Julian's pedigree, he was £7 million from Toulouse. He's 28 years old. He's coming into the peak of his career. He's been around Celtic now two and a half years nearly. I would like to think he could come in and also be a dominant sort of centre-back, but I agree with what Kev's saying. It might be a case that we need to to ease Julian in a wee bit, Regan. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and, and definitely. I mean, because he's been out for so long, it's a case of we don't want to to bring him back too early. I mean, Russell, I'm just glad that Nier Beaton won't be playing the centre-back anymore because I think we'll be, we'll be too many t- t- times where... Near Beaton has been thrown in to play against Rangers or against Mitchell and or against someone in the Champions League, and you're like, oh no, here we go. No, I get what you're saying. I, I, mean, I think that's what we're kind of highlighting, though. I mean, if you look at when Julian comes back, if we've got four centre backs going for two places, one of them's a youth product, and the other three have came in, you know, you know, one seven million, one was four million a Swedish international as well, uh, to add to that. And then you've got Cameron Carter-Vickers, a USA international, coming from the English Premier League. You know, you're looking at that, you're going, that's a nice balance to have, the, you know, on paper anyway, you would think. I would have said anyway, if that was our options, you know, if you'd said to me in the summer, that'll be our options next season, it'll be a Swedish international. Stephen Wells should be more established by now. You'll have a boy from Spurs on loan who's got eight caps for the USA and you'll have Chris Julian back to fitness. I would say that would be a healthy raft of competition for the two spots. Do you see the sort of a wee bit of optimism in the defensive positions now, Kev? Because obviously it's been highlighted that there has been frailties in you know earlier on in the season. Yeah, I think you know when you put it like that, the you know, the quality that's there, it's definitely um, it's a lot more pleasing than we had at the start of the season. Still got doubts of our Starfield though, if he's player that we thought he was going to be but I like uh, like Reagan saying we're not in a position anymore where near Beaton's going to be anywhere near the centre-back positions so that can only be a plus point No I think that's fair and Mr Whip comes in also watching on YouTube he's saying until we get a set, settled central defence we are there for the taking now I think we're coming close to having a settled central defence. And this is why the Julian puzzle becomes all the more intriguing as he nears full fitness, because 
if you had a straight choice, I think most people would choose Julian before Starfelt. But to go back to the comment just posted there, if Starfelt and uh, Cameron and Carter Vickers are settled, would you really want to disrupt that? And maybe that does, if they are going to be a settled partnership, allow us to ease in Julian, maybe with cameo appearances if we're in a dominant position in domestic games and sort of ease him into fitness. And then, as you say, come the new year, the clubs are off and it's a straight you know, fight for the for a slot beside uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, you know. But anyway, healthy competition in the starting spots. And obviously competition is going to be key this year. Now, going to turn my focus on to striking positions. Now, Kyogo, interesting story came out yesterday. He's going to miss two games uh, after the winter break. Now, that is because he's got crucial World Cup qualifiers against, I've written this down because I knew I'd forget, uh, against China and Saudi Arabia with Japan. Um, so it's likely he's going to miss a couple of games for us after the winter break. So once Scottish football resumes, Kyogo might actually be missing the first couple of games. Now, it highlighted a couple of things to me because on yesterday's Axon, there was a fair case made by both Paul and Brian to potentially rest Kyogo at Fur Park this Sunday, such as the amount of mileage he'll have travelled away on international duty. Now, it's been a common thread that we've had on a lot of the broadcasts, myself included, by the way, that come January, we say to Ange Postacoglu, have you got any more in Japan, Ange, like Kyogo, in other positions, you know, that can make such an impact? Who else do you know? But to play devil's advocate with it, uh, advocate? No, that's the Rangers manager. Play devil's advocate with it. Um, I actually am beginning to wonder if having too many players from the other side of the world could potentially lead to quite a few problems as well with team selection because if you've got, you would like to think if we're getting guys from the J-League to be of an international standard, um, if they're going to be travelling thousands of miles every time there's an international break and are going to be fatigued when they come back and maybe needing rested in the, the initial match that we play after an international break and are potentially going to be missing games because they've got international fixtures that coincide with our elite calendar. Could that lead to more problems than it's worth? And is that perhaps why there's been a reluctance? I've never really thought of it before. But it's just when it became a talking point yesterday that it might make sense to rest Kyogo at Fur Park. I thought, oh, wow. If that makes sense, then surely that would make sense for the two or three others we might be looking to add potentially in the future from you know the same sort of league. I mean, I think it. Oh, sorry, Regan, on you go. I mean, I think it. I mean, I think it does make sense. But in terms of Kyogo, I think he's. I think he's so important to Celtic at the moment. In terms of, we've not got that striking option to play up top. Um, but what I would say on the on the J League thing, I think it is a problem because you don't want say four of your best players to be playing in Japan on. See on the Wednesday and then straight back to Celtic Park on the Saturday because it's not giving them much time to re- to rest or rec- recover. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how far you've all travelled. I went to Vegas once and the jet lag killed me for like four days. I was probably out a lot later <laughs> at night, so during that time, <laughs> what the uh, <laughs> what, what, what Kyogo would have been on international duty, but still, that you know, the, the, the jet lag's a big thing, and I think. Regan's right. If you were to get guys that came in, made a similar impact, Kev, like Kyogo has, and start becoming first-team regulars, how disruptive could it be having to rest those guys for crucial matches, say, at places like Far Park going forward? And what's your thoughts on, you know, signing maybe a couple more from the J-League, or do you think it's not too big a problem if the squad depth's big enough? Hi. I think I think there's nothing wrong with looking at the J League and seeing what's out there. And if there's another player or two like Kyogo, why not? You know, go for it, see if they'll come on come on board. But I limit it to that. Um, there's no point in, in having This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Four or five, even, even three might be too much, but there's no point in having four or five players that are going away in a national duty and then coming back and missing minimum one game every time they come back. Because you're looking then they could be missing five or six games in a season, which could be five or six crucial games in this team. You've got other injuries or suspensions that have got to be accounted for as well in the squad. So you could be kind of just hamstringing yourself as opposed to having all these these players in the squad. Um, but I, there's... there's um, See no harm in looking, seeing what's there, but it's got to be, it's got to be a player that's worth the gamble. I think, and Kyogo has yeah. been so far. He's he's come in and he's the ground running. Um, but then you see the flip side has become such a major loss in the games that we can't play him. Um. So yeah, and we've got Jack and Marcus who can come in at the weekend perhaps, but we've no idea what level his fitness is at the moment. We've no idea really what level of play is because we've only seen him for 20 minutes I think so it's a big gamble and one that you know, you, you've got to thought if, if we make the sign-ins there's a, a proper thought process behind it and there's also uh, a good reserve player behind who can come in and fill in when that boy's going to have to miss out Well that's the interesting point that is the interesting point and that leads us on nicely to Giacomacus because naturally if is going to be say, rested or, or, or on the bench on Sunday due to fatigue at all, then Giacomacus would be uh, the, the guy I think Celtic fans would be hoping now that we can, we'd be able to see. Now, obviously, Andrew's on record saying Giacomacus having an extra 10, 12 days working with us is going to benefit him massively and get him far nearer ready for the first team than what he was before the international break. So, that has been one of the one of the benefits of this international break. Giacomacus is a player that we know very little about. But, again, I think in any era, if you were looking at Celtic signing the top scorer from the Eredivisie, you would be excited by that. I wonder if the fact his transfer fee was lower, you know, just 2.6 million, it doesn't quite have the same sort of frills attached to what normally would be associated with a top scorer from Holland. I mean, what a pedigree that is from last season. I mean, the, the uh, VVV Venlo, I think it was the chief executive, was talking uh, recently, and he was he actually said he, would, he was scared to think how many goals Giacomacus would score in the second tier of Dutch football had he remained at VVV. So that gives you some insight as to the impact he made there. What I also liked he was talking about, Regan, I'll come to you on this, is he didn't pigeonhole. Giacomacus is a player in the slightest. He says, if you actually look at the goals he scored last year, there was penalties, yes. He says there was physical goals like headers where he was winning aerial battles. He says, but laced with that were goals from outside the box, overhead kicks, chips. He says scoring with both feet. He says he's not a one, this isn't a one-trick pony, basically, is what I think he was alluding to. And I think with Kyogo, you know, the ball's not going to stick up top. He's not going to come short for it. He's going to be making runs that bamboozle defenders and long may it continue. But to have a completely different op- option like Giacomacus, and I like the fact he's a bit of an unknown quantity. Are you excited to see him don the hoops? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I mean, I think it'll be great, Russell. I just want to ask you something. Do you think he, do you think Andrew played two up top? Well, we were talking about this on Monday. Now, I, I'm not sure about away from home as of yet. Whilst we're still going to be, you know, it's a different mentality Celtic are trying to get instilled in them by Ange right now. And I'm not sure switching the formation to two up top away from home would benefit us. But I am inclined to think there's games at home where we've created crazy amounts of chances, you know? Crazy amount of chances, Kev. It's been like 36 shots, you know, in goal, I think, in one match. But I think two home matches in a row. We registered 36 shots on goal. So when you're looking at that, you're thinking, okay, we won 6-0 in both of them. But that's really quite a low percentage of the amount of shots we've had. Would you have benefited and would you have still maybe created a wee bit less? 
but had more chances converted if you did start the two. I think it's a great a great discussion point. And I'd be I'd be quite happy to see us go with two up front league. And what's your thoughts? No, definitely. I mean, because I'm just thinking in terms of the way I'm played as well, to pr- to, to press from the front. Because if you get if you get a, a Kyogo pressing, then you've got the space behind for Jack and Marcus to 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 go into. Yeah, well, I agree with that. You you all for two up front, Kev, particularly in home matches. Aye, I think there's definitely a time and a place for us to try to up front, and we've got the players that can play, and we don't have to lose. I don't think we have to lose much of that creativity um, that you were maybe talking about there to do it. Because for me personally, watching the games at times, I think David Turnbull, for example, can be a bit of a passenger in games. If you take him out and you add in a second striker, you maybe need to pull Yota and Abada slightly deeper. So you're more of an orthodox 4-4-2 that way. You've still got the width, which is where we're getting most of the joy from anyway. You've got Kyogo doing Kyogo things through the and then your second striker that picks up on all these balls. Um, and, and then you've still got Callum McGregor and A in the midfield pulling the strings. So um, I'd, I'd love to see us do it in some of the home games. Dundee United, if we had personnel, would have been the perfect game because we needed that goal. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think Kyogo causes defence is an absolute nightmare as it is. Imagine having another problem with <laughs> alongside him at exactly. you know, Celtic Park. It's, it's a fascinating thought. You know, I, I definitely think we could capitalise on that. Michael's watching on YouTube as well. And thanks to all who are watching on all the various platforms on Axum. Um, I've got them written down because I knew I'd forget some of them. But we are live right now on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn. There'll be the broadcast will then go out later, usually around 6, 7 p.m. That'll be on all your usual uh, favourite podcast platforms as well. Spotify is the one I use. That's why I got into Axon. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Michael's coming in saying he would start Giacomacus. He's an unknown quantity to Motherwell. He's had another week's training. Surely he's ready to go and make an impact. I think we all echo that, Michael. I think you're absolutely right. Um, in terms of the intrigue around him now, he's got the record in, in Holland with the 26 goals. I believe the next... Top scorer was got 19 uh, at PSV and he got a move to Dortmund. So, you know, he was seven clear. I can't remember the player's name, but he was seven clear of him. So that tells you, you know, he's came, he's coming on the back of a high. And you'd like to think the sooner we get him in the team, the more of that confidence that he takes from last season will still be with him. Do you know what I mean? So, no, I totally agree with you, Michael. If it does come to the, you know, the, the crunch and... You know, we Kyogos maybe suffering a wee bit from fatigue, jet lag, call it what you will. Then you'd like to think Giacomacus with that extra week or so at Lennox Town. You know, I, I'd be quite keen for him to come on. JJ's watching on YouTube as well. He says play two up front. I think that, you know, again, is what we're all saying. I think there'll be times and places for it. I'm not quite sure if I would give Giacomacus his first start as a pair at Fur Park. I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, but I certainly think going forward, um, there's a lot to be excited about with the with, with the thought of having two up front for Celtic, and hopefully that can lead to us getting that, you know, the holy grail of ten goals at home in one home game that I have ridiculously called as being a potential outcome this season. Uh, Kevin, I don't know how much longer you've got with us, buddy. Um, you said yeah, I'll need to shoot off pretty soon. Unfortunately, work calls. No okay. worries at all. Just quickly as well, if you are watching on YouTube, remember you will be going straight in just by hitting the subscribe button into a star prize draw, a monthly prize draw that we're doing right now. This month it's a framed signed Bobby Lennox print, um, which will get posted to you completely free of charge. Obviously, Paul John Dykes picks up the postage bills and he is willing to send whatever corner of the world it is, rather begrudgingly sometimes I'm sure, but that's just the, the name of the game. So if you've got, if you have hit the subscribe button, you will be in that draw straight away. So make sure you do it, particularly if you're watching obviously on YouTube right now. We've got loads of other content coming up on a state of mind as well. There's a new fully produced Screamer Celica here in the pipeline. I think the first guest was Johnny Proctor. That guy cracks me up, so that should be fantastic. We've got the 
the retrospective that um, Paul's been doing. I think there's still other chat shows to come up. The state of music is flying right now with the recent sponsorship of Guitar Guitar. So all looking good at State of Mind HQ as well. Now, on to a story that came out this morning. And I did see, by the way, your comment, Urban Dulce, about midfield. I think it's kind of been covered this week, the midfield thing, so I wasn't wanting to go over all ground. But if you've got any points in the midfield you want to bring up, then I'm sure we can get them up in the comments section as well that are different from what the other panellists have said this week. Now, this morning, a story surfaced that Celtic are reportedly not particularly happy with Liam Scales' involvement with the Republic of Ireland squad on international break. He was called up late. He went out to Azerbaijan, to Baku, and he didn't make the match day squad. They then played Qatar in a friendly, and he wasn't involved in the squad again. Just as we were talking about with Kyogo there, tiredness, the amount of mileage you're doing, you know, in the air. Um, with regards to Scales, and again, just to tie in, we've spoke about the benefits of 10 to 12 days of Giacomacus being at Lennox Town. Do you think if Scales would have benefited more having been learning Angie's methods, or do you think he's got no choice, he's got to go to Ireland because he can't be ostracising himself from that? But is it frustrating that he's not actually been involved and he's probably not learned all that much? Hi. It's a tough one for the oh, sorry. Um, it's a tough one for the player because he obviously wants to be involved with the national team. It's kind of the pinnacle of you to play play for your country. Um, to go there and then not play would be very frustrating for him, very frustrating for the club because hundred percent if he stays at Lennox Town, he's got that extra ten, twelve day land, which is going to be far more beneficial to him at Celtic than him going away. Um, and not playing for Ireland. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's very, very frustrating for him. Um, yeah. But on that note, lads, I am sorry. I will actually now have to drop off uh, work calls. No worries, so, Ted. Thanks again. Okay, well, thanks very much for having me on the show. Regan, it was sure. great to meet you. Cheers, man. Cheers, So, Regan, on that with, uh, with Liam Scales, Andrew's on record saying he's not quite first-team ready yet. Now, I've got to be honest, from my point of view, I was a wee bit surprised at that as he's played, I think, over 20 league games for Shamrock Rovers already in this calendar year. He's played a few games at European level as well. Now, for, for Liam Scales not to be ready yet obviously means, in my opinion, Ange hasn't... And what Ange means is he's not quite ready to play my system yet. Do you know what I mean? I need time to work with him. So, <laughs> would he have benefited more, do you think, Regan, having been um, at Lennox Town? See for see for me definitely also. I mean, I don't see the point why they would call him up and then not take him to any of the games. I find that strange because I think it was a big opportunity for him to go to with the Republic Island squad. But for but for for um, for him not to be involved is just a bit of a strange one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, not to be in the match day squads is a kick in the teeth, and I think William Scales. I know it was only, I think, 25 minutes against Ray Throvers, but I liked what i seen from Liam Scales, to be honest with you. What did you make of his 25-minute uh, cameo? I was actually at the game and I was very impressed by him, Russell. What I would say is to, to, to you is, do, see with us not having a, a proper left-back apart from McCartney, do you think he could possibly be in with a shoot with being left-back? Yeah, I absolutely do. And Alfred's coming in uh, saying, when your country calls, you have to answer it. And totally agree with that, Alfred. I think what we're trying to do is look at it from a selfish point of view, from a Celtic perspective, and think, has that hampered that call-up Liam Scales, you know, potential to get in at the first team at a, a, an earlier date? Or has that maybe pushed back the sort of, you know, the, the chances of him getting in the first team now? Because Ange hasn't had those magical sort of eight to ten to twelve days, whatever it's been, to work with him the same way he has a Giacomacus, for example. Well, what I would say as people that you speak to often say it takes a while to get involved with, with the way that Ange plays. Uh -huh. I, think, I think you would have benefited uh, being, tra being training more with Ange's style of play at Celtic Park rather than being with uh, Republic Island. Yeah, Stevie Boy's coming in again on YouTube saying scales may be the balance that we need. I, I mean, I liked what I've seen of him so far. 
Um, I'm chuffed that he got his call up. I mean, what a moment that is for him and his family. I mean, he's only been in the door at Celtic two minutes and then you're already seeing maybe the, the sort of benefit of that status by getting a call up to the Ireland squad. But yeah, obviously we've got to caveat it with, from we, we see everything from a Celtic prism, you know? And when you don't see Liam Scales playing, you will think, what if? What if he'd had that extra time with Ange? Could he be looking at potentially being in the starting 11 at Fir Park or, or on the bench in contention and, and competing more? Because I think what we, we can safely say now is I, I cannot see a way of Liam Scales starting now on Sunday, unless he throws in a volleyball in golly. No, I don't think he'll throw in ball and goal either, especially when he threw him in at Tony, Tony McEnroe when Celtic got beat Russell, so I don't think he'll throw ball and goal. I think he'll go with the same, <laughs> I think he'll go with the, the same squad that he played against Aberdeen. So I've just been told I've missed a pun, which disappoints me, because usually I'm quite sharp with those. But as you can imagine, the stress levels when you're hosting slightly different. So apologies, I've been cool chef. My paddle's not quite been on point and I've missed out on a pun. That, that disappoints me as well, to be perfectly honest to you. Um, he's saying this show is brilliant, though. Thank you, mate. Thank That's you. Good. We try our best. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that covers it, William Scales. But, uh, yeah, and Alfred again comes in saying international breaks are killing any consistency. Now, with regards to that, obviously there was comments made, Regan. I'm interested to get your take on this as well. I know Paul King covered it yesterday with Brian, but you're a different point of view on this. Obviously, Thibaut Quart- uh, Courtois was talking about, you know, that they're not robots, players, and if they were actually looking to do an international tournament, once you know, the World Cup once every two years, European Championship once every two years, would there still be a Nations League and, you know, European and World Cup qualifiers through the season as well. I mean, when are footballers going to get a break? Yeah, and is, are they killing the consistency like Alfred's alluding to there of the league campaign? Definitely are because I think the the product will go down as well, Russell. Because obviously the players get tired as well. And I think also you see the plans uh, from Wenger saying he wants a World Cup to be to be every summer. I I don't get it at all. I think we need to be in, uh, speak to the players and see what they feel because they're the ones that are doing it. Yeah. Well, less is more as well sometimes. I mean, these tournaments lose their prestige a wee bit as well. And I yeah. think from the players' point of view, we obviously have our, you know, our you know our go-to example. And he's not even been at many World Cups. Or, oh, he's never been at a World Cup. But Callum McGregor has been playing for the last four years, 60-plus games. And all we've seen is that have, you know, particularly last season a negative impact on his influence and his performances. So I don't see any benefit to that. I thought Courtois was right. I've seen yeah. Simon Jordan had tweeted something along the lines of, oh, yeah, we feel really sorry for you when you collect your £10 million paycheck or whatever it was he said. And I thought, you're missing the point here, though. The reason footballers are paid so well is because of the, the, the product on show, being a quality one. You're going to dilute that by making them play too many games because... They're going to get tired. the The quality on show is going to, you know, it's going to get worse. It's going to decrease in quality. And I think as well, the tournaments, you're going to lose interest when they're just happening all the time. So I found that quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, because people look forward to it being every four years and go, "Oh, I'm looking forward to World Cup." If it becomes every summer, people are not like tune into it as much. No. I agree with you. I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, one thing that's not been diluted in quality, despite its regularity, has been the Axon pod. Now, today is a big day um, for a Celtic state of mind. Um, we have got a few representatives, the boss man himself, Paul John Dykes. He is going to see Jason Donovan tonight with his good lady. Oh, no, wait, that was the wrong tickets. <laughs> um, uh, Lindsay thought she had the train tickets on her, but actually I brought her Jason Donovan tickets. So the world now knows that Lindsay Dykes is a Jason Donovan fan, which made me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> um, but I believe Paul, Lindsay, Tony Haggerty and Lawrence Connolly will be on a train right now, probably sipping a red wine if you're Lawrence. And they are going down to London 
or the FCAs, which is a you know it's an amazing achievement uh, to be involved and to be nominated. We're the only football podcast to be to be nominated for three different categories at the FCAs. Now, I don't want to put too much pressure on it and say, you know, they've got to win one or anything like that. I think, you know, getting nominated and having a table down there shows the strides and the steps that Axom has made. And kudos to Paul and everyone in the team, because it really has been a team effort. I think, you know, everyone who's contributed their own time to trying to help Axom get to where it wants to go um, deserves a pat on the back for the for the three three award nominations. The, the awards are incidentally Best Club Content, Best Charitable Event, and Best International Podcast. Now, it's easier for me to talk about this, perhaps, than it is Paul, because Paul knows it's obviously sort of, it's his baby, this, and he probably doesn't want to look self-indulgent. But for me, I am nearly a year to the day since I made my Axon debut, believe it or not, Regan. And now today you're making yours, which is fantastic. I know. It just goes to show you. But obviously, you're aware of Axon, right? You've been aware of a Celtic yes. state of mind for a while. What yes. what got you into the, a Celtic state of mind? And why did you start watching it? I just came across it on the social media. Um, obviously, I follow Paul and I follow the, the guys on Twitter. But no, I just enjoy, enjoyed it because it was a different point of view. And obviously, um, sometimes in the mainstream media, they don't talk about the the actual problems at Celtic as well and I quite enjoy that because I think so many times um, they talk they, they talk about the stuff that people already know but on this podcast it's more like um, from a, a fan's perspective as well and, and I, I mean I've spoke to you about it before like if Sky Sports is on I'll turn Sky Sports off at, at the when it goes to 45 minutes and put on the Axon Bulletin uh, for the half time and the full time, so no, it's definitely uh, it's been great to be on, and and it's definitely good to watch. No, I think that's amazing, Regan. I think that's been one of the the real game changers. Has been the the live match shows that people genuinely. I mean, I was showing my flatmate one day. We were sitting watching. We were watching a Celtic match. I wasn't doing the uh, the pod. I was just I hit the mute button on Sky like yourself and put on Axon. And I think when we were watching, it was something like 1,300 watching. And you think 1,300 people have hit the mute button and switched over to alternative content, you know, fan media essentially, um, because they feel like they're getting a better sort of representation of of what's going on out there. They're getting real criticism as opposed to agenda-driven criticism of the team. And, yeah, that's really refreshing. Big thanks to all the comments coming in as well. A lot of good luck, Axoms. Um, I seen Pato saying go for the treble. I like that attitude, oh, Pato. Um, and there was also a mention of selling out the hydro. Well, <laughs> I tell you, my jacket is already sorted. If we were ever going to be selling out the hydro, although I think that's probably a wee bit off just yet. But nothing wrong with having a bit of ambition. Exactly. Um, Martin says a big welcome to you as well, Regan, which is fantastic. But yeah, to the troops down uh, on their way to London. We just want to say a massive uh, good luck to you all. I hope you've got your speeches ready and I hope you can bring back something. If not, we'll still celebrate tomorrow the success of what has been a glorious 12 years. Now, finally, Regan, to round off the show, I get a lot of DMs about a show called Scream a Celica, right? So Scream a Celica was a show that me and Kev used to do in this sort of format. And we pick a date. We'd go back in time. We tend to, whilst we focused on a match, we would also focus maybe on a, a gem of a Celtic player in that time. Now, I have to credit a Twitter page, Lil Z, um, who at midnight, on time, every time, posts all these amazing links of Celtic games that were on this day, if you like, you know, from yesteryear. So... As always, I had a look at his page today because I was never up at 12 last night, Regan. You know me, I'm a good boy. I was in my bed. Um, And Lil Z had posted a match, Celtic 2, St Mirren 0. Nothing too surprising about the scorers, a certain Henrik Larsson and a certain Chris Sutton. But what was interesting for me was there was the debut of a player called Didier Agat. Now, Didier Agat, was never a player I remember featuring heavily on in Screamer Celica, 
So I thought we'd round off the show, as it's a bit of a slow news week in Celtic land anyway right now, um, I thought we'd round off the show with a wee bit of nostalgia, talking about the French striker signed from Hibs who'd scored three goals in four games, had electric pace, but had only signed, bizarrely, a three-month contract at Hibs. We got him for £50,000 and instantly made him a right wing-back who would terrorise defences both in Europe and at home with his pace. Not necessarily a lot of skill, but he was just one of those players who would go, I'm going to knock the ball 20 yards by you. Catch me if you can. I watched him do it against players like Zambrotta um, to Peter Lovingkrans, you know. Uh, he was a joy to watch. And whilst he's crossing got a lot of criticism, did he, Agat? Um, I would love to know what his assist, rates, his assist stats were over the sort of years that he played for Celtic. It wasn't a bad career he had as well during his sort of successful five years. Three league titles, three Scottish Cups, one League Cup, and of course he was a, a mainstay of that run to Seville in the season we didn't win a trophy. What are your memories of Didier Agat Regan? Um, I've not got a vivid memory of Didier Agat, but just from watching... Is that you rubbing in your age again? Is yeah. that you tell, reminding us all how young you are? <laughs> so just from watching videos, uh, maybe the Joe Fitness game, the 4 3 game, when Chris Sutton scored that, scored that goal, um, maybe just games like that, Russell. Um, I, I remember one where he put a great ball in for Henry, for Henry Larson in Europe as well. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's just memories of uh, Champions League football and European football for me. Yeah, I remember uh, Chris Sutton's done an interview recently with the, the lads at Open Goal and it was quite insightful. He was talking about Martin O'Neill's ability to convert people's positions. He says, you know, he had me playing, Chris Sutton was playing behind Larson and Hartson at Ewood Park, you know, in, in almost like a number 10 role. Sutton was obviously also used in the Scottish Cup final at centre-back. Didier Gatt was signed as a striker, converted to right wing-back. He moved... Stillian Petrov from right back to centre midfield, as we all know and love him as that box-to-box midfielder, but he was actually signed as you know by John Barnes. He was a right back, a slightly overweight right back, even he, Petrov would admit himself. Red Scotland comes in and says a guy could give a player a 20-yard head start and destroy him for speed. What an invaluable asset he was to have in the side. I mean, I totally agree with that. Now, you look at the modern game. Now, you see a lot of players, Regan, right now, that I don't think have all the technical attributes of, say, a Matt Letizia, right? Matt Letizia wouldn't last in the modern game now because he can't run. Yeah. Whereas a lot of players right now that don't have that those technical attributes are signed for their power, their pace, their ability to get back, you know, get up and down the line. You look at a fullback now and traditionally kind of play as wing-backs. I think Didier Gat, with the sort of technical training that goes on now, to develop and hone your skills like crossing and things like that, I think Didier Gat would have been tailor-made for the modern era. I mean, you look at someone like uh, walking at Man City, he plays more like a a right winger than a a right back. Exactly. Exactly, and he was originally a defender. Anyway, we've nearly hit an hour. I think that'll do us for today. It's been my first effort presenting and... It has been a joy. Obviously, you get all your notes and you try and time it for bang on 60 minutes. It looks like, well, I think everyone's worry would have been I'd have ran over by about half an hour. So we're nearly just under an hour. Um, Regan, it's been an absolute joy having your com- uh, your company today. Just want to quickly tell everyone about your podcast as well, because I know you were you were editing it last night, the most recent one. So my podcast is only as good as your last game. You can get that on Spotify. Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well. We interviewed some people in Scottish football. We've interviewed Hugh Keevans. We've got um, Chris Buck, Craig Brown. We've got Tony Haggerty. We've got Russell Boyd. We've got so so many. But uh, no, tune in and thank you for having me on, Russell. No, you're very welcome, mate. Um, I, that was some company for my name to be uh, mentioned in there, especially Tony Haggerty's. Anyway, all that's left for me to say is thank you for watching A Celtic State of Mind. You have been on the Boise bus for the last hour. 
Best of luck to the troops in London. Go and get an award, lads. Go on and get the we'll... <laughs> Go on and get the treble, guys. Get the treble. And we'll see you all tomorrow at 12.30. See you later, guys. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.